Well, what you got for us today? Chris's parents were murdered on the same day the Halley Comet was visible from Earth. 11 years later, a new comet lights up the Parisian sky. But as the night goes on, people begin to transform into horrible creatures. Well, I guess you know what they say. Phase one, disorientation. Phase two, violent behaviour. It's an odd saying. Phase three, mutation. Phase four, dot, 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 dot. I guess it's time for another case of crime scene investigation. Hello and welcome to I Spit on Your Grades presents Prime Scene Investigation. I am Chris. As ever, I am joined by Faye. Hello. And Mercer. Bonjour. The Columbo and Quincy of the podcasting world. I'm defo Columbo. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I want to be Quincy. <laughs> Quincy technically isn't a detective, he's a medical examiner, but he sold more crimes than most detectives, so we'll allow it. If it's a detective not fitting the brief of being a detective, surely that should go to you then, seeing as most <gasps> of your picks don't fit the description, they don't meet the assignment. Wow. Seems we're not going to get to episode 100 of us on your grades. <laughs> which is probably for the best, because absolutely no one has helped us narrow down the thousand of options we've got for our this episode. True. Oh, well. How are we both anyway? Mercer, how's yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, you know, good, good, good. I'm all um, triple jabbed, living my best life. Um, yeah, fabulous. I'm all right. I'm full of the joys of winter and also chicken Kiev. I'm full of chicken Kiev. Aren't we all just really full of chicken Kiev in the grand scheme of life? With chicken Kiev suitcases. <laughs> we're, we're merely a chicken Kiev transportation system. Yes, we are. This has gone an odd turn again mm. very quickly. I am fine. Thank you very much for asking both of oh, you. Oh, sorry. Sorry. How yeah. are you? How are you? I am, I am okay. Slightly gutted that I won't be at Soho Festival this weekend coming up. I suppose some of us have to work and look after dogs and other bits and pieces, which is a shame. If you did want to still go, you can't for the weekend. Passes are sold out. They've gone. Should have got in earlier when we told you. We did. We told you passes were selling quick. We said it was a brilliant lineup. We told you, get your passes. Now you can't. They've gone. It's your own damn fault. Thankfully, Soho or So Home will be the weekend after showcasing another selection of great picks from Mitch. So at least if you're not going to the physical event, you can actually do so home the week after. Is it the week after? It is. It's the weekend of the sixth. It's the week oh. after. Oh, God. What? I didn't realise it was the weekend after. Oh, Have you made plans to be in London again? I'm in London on the sixth. Well, I'm off work at least, but... I'm not off work for the other days. I thought it were over a weekend. Is it not over a weekend? It is. I think it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. Which will be the week oh, right. after. Okay. I'm, I'm going to calm down then. I've calm. I'm calm now. I'm chill. I'm chill. I'm chill. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be honest. I could look it up. But I'm not going to. I'm just going to guess. I'm just going to have complete courage in my conviction. It's on December the 25th, 26th and 27th. So drop all your dinners with your loved ones and your Boxing Day plans. It's not, I'm lying. Don't do that. No. Or do that. Do that if you want. It's up to you. Anyway. You do you. Anyway, shall we get back on track? Yes, Liz. So here for another cracking episode of Prime Scene Investigation. This week, we are covering 2012's Dead Shadows that comes to us from David Cholua. I want to pronounce it as. Don't even ask me to. No, I'm sorry if that's incorrect, but I'm going from how it's spelt and I'm not sure if there's a different way that I should be uh, pronouncing it there. But 
written by Vincent Uley and Sean Whitley. Okay. Who I think wrote the dub, wrote the English dub version, oh, or okay. it's got in parentheses English version or dub version English. So I've no idea what that means, but you know I've named them both, so they both had a hand in the writing in some way or another. We've let, obviously you laid out the synopsis, which I don't think actually gives a great sense of what the film's really about. No, no, not really. I think uh, I think some of the synopsis, synopses for this are quite misleading. I mean, the second half of it, yes, for the transformation, but the actual link to his parents' death, I don't think really plays massively into it. No. Before we go any further, I will just say this episode will be chock full of spoilers, but so anyone who wants to check out the film without hearing the minutiae of the details, please go check it out. Come back to us if you want to afterwards and have a listen to what we think about it. Mercer, what would you like to add? I would just like to say um, you can't spoil this film. There you go. <laughs> you can't, can you? No, um, we, may, we, may, we may not have all enjoyed it, but what I would say is there may be some people who do want to check out these films and want to go back and work through pre so if they haven't caught up on yet. And the last thing I want to be doing is spoiling it any further. I feel I have to make a quick announcement before we go any further because I I didn't catch what uh, Chris was hinting at at first. My heartfelt, sincere apologies to Saltier Popcorn for ruining the ending of The Bad Seed. Um, I was wrong to think that over 50 years was enough time to watch a film. <laughs> right, your apology is now turned into a <laughs> sarcasm. I am joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, Kevin, my apologies. I, I, I sh you're right, I should have given like a warning or something to say that I was going to spoil it, and I apologise that I did. However, as I explained to you, doesn't take away from the fact that it is still a batshit film, so you will enjoy it anyway. I also think we should, you know, we spoil everything all the time. Like that's yeah, the nature of tits our, for that. Our yeah. Podcast, unfortunately. So we're always going to spoil something for somebody. Um, well, Faye is, because I don't think me and Chris have ever done it yet, but I know you've done it multiple times, Faye. So you spoiled my life, Mercer, when I met you. <laughs> you spoiled my dreams, Mercer. What when I you... said no, Chris said yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Chris, yes, let's carry on. Yeah, let's... Because we're doing everything we possibly can to avoid talking about the actual film, <laughs> film here itself, which may give you, the listener, a hint as to how we felt about this. Mercer, you love to plough straight in, so you go, you go for I it. Do I do love to plough straight in. And the very first thing that I noticed about this film was this god awful opening with this weird meteorite that kept growling at me while I'm watching it. <laughs> was that not Vanda? Are you sure it weren't Vanda? Well, you know, like the, the entire space scene, which I, initially I thought, oh, it could, it looks a bit tacky, but it's fine. And then like this meteorite just kept coming along going, <laughs> I'm like, why are you growling? Like I get, like you're telling us that there's something in this meat era. Why does it growl? I just and that immediately, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done already. <laughs> I can't. I got growling meat ears. Saying saying about the title cards, I didn't. I quite like the kind of whole HP Lovecraft kind of style with the opening title cards. I didn't think they were too bad. I just felt personally. I just felt like there were this growling and then like the score itself were lots of like loud bangs and. And as and I'm like, we're in space, man. There is no sound in space. So why am I listening to all this? I, I mean, I, I think space logic is the least of their worries in this film. It's something that uh, you know we'll we'll explain as we go on. Yeah, I mean we so we had the opening scene with the uh the young protagonist, Chris. So back when he's a kid and the original comet is coming a uh, along. And we have and his, dad, his dad is French Al Pacino. His dad is French Al Pacino. Be fair, we also started playing this without the subtitles on. And I was, I, I was very, 
I was very tempted to just go without and just see what the French language version was like. I don't think it would have made any difference whatsoever in the grand scheme of things. I think maybe it would have improved it. I think it would have been weirder just to have no sense of what the hell was actually going on. Well, we've said it before, and I'm sure it'll come up again. I think it was 2011 Fright Fest with Urban Explorers where they yes. didn't put the subtitles on when they were supposed to, and it made it one of the most entertaining films of the weekend because I didn't have a fucking clue what was happening. So, yeah, maybe if you are going to watch it, do yourself a favour, just knock the subtitles off and just go do in. Do favour, just turn it off altogether. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, turn the subtitles off. If you accidentally click to the left too far, you press stop. Well, these things happen. What are you going to do? Life is short. Anyway, so... Poor Chris as a kid as well. He's getting, he's getting a right volley in from his dad. Yeah. Not to him, just out of earshot. The door's closed and he's there going, slagging him off for the bedwetting, no friends, geeky. It's like, Jesus Christ, this poor kid. Maybe that kid needs to get cooler. Yeah, maybe he does. The, ki- the kid's dad, though, is a massive dick. But what I find funny is the parents never refer to him by his name. They just call him the kid let's lock ourselves in the room with the kid i'm like like you named him you must know his yeah. name right they never they never say him or our son it's just because i assume that one of them was a i assume that one of them was a step parent like the dad so yes. or the father so it's like it's your kid but no then she's like no the kid the only time you we realize when he's he's actually both kids is when he says your your child or something, and she's like, he's your child too. And I'm like, oh, so he does belong to both of them. Okay. <laughs> this, is our, this is our son, child, the kid. <laughs> kid, the kid. Oh, and have we already seen the excellent, excellent shadow of um the tentacles? Yeah. At this point, immediately. Um okay. Because this is gonna, this that I that, that angered me. Not not at that point. It angered me a little bit later on. I'll tell so, you when it angered me. Carry so on. So as Chris Chris goes downstairs to find that his dad is domestically abusing his mother, slashes her down the face with a big carving knife. To be fair, the visuals work on this stuff. The whole film through, the visual work is really really impressive. It's literally the only reason it's got points off of me. Some of the visual work, but yeah, I, I and the um, I kind of like the manacle smile that the dad gives, like Chris, when he turns round, and Chris is like peeing himself. I think he pees himself. I assume he pees himself. That tends to happen in films now with children, don't they? They always wee. Um, but yeah, I quite liked that, and the fact that the dad had gone crazy. And then we cut from that. We have no idea what actually because happened to dad because the synopsis says the death of his parents are we to assume at this point that tentacle meteor monster has taken him taken them or destroyed them or something and this is where i am pissed off because we jumped to 10 years later what the fuck happened to the alien or the tentacle creature or whatever it was that came down and why did it just pick one family How's he, how's he affording that living in an apartment in, cent- in the centre of Paris where you can see the Eiffel Tower from your window? This, this is what angered me about more than anything else in the film was the fact that you've got this green screen of a clear as day Eiffel Tower, yet the guy is an IT technician living yeah. in front of the Eiffel Tower. Go I- fuck yourself. IT technician slash drug runner. Apparently. In a shitty neighbourhood where he gets mugged on the regs. First of all, he don't get mugged on the regs because then people have never seen him before. Second of all, where did the drug runner come from? No, that's just me saying he must have, he must have a side he must he must have a sideline to be able to afford to live in the centre of Paris. He plays computer games. I don't know how he keeps his job because he talks to every single customer like they're a piece of shit, and he swears down the phone because he's that distracted. It's like, um, hang on, we we all work in the same industry. We all know that's absolutely correct. But you don't keep your job, do you, when you tell a customer to fuck off? Oh, so far. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check in with where Chris works and see whether that's uh, acceptable behaviour. I'll not say where it is, but he works somewhere. Uh, I'm a you know what else customer, but I got away with it. Did you? Yeah. 
I think I called her a bitch or something, and I managed to cover it up by saying, I'll just put you through. If you ever come to us with an issue, that's the level of customer service you're going to get from this podcast. Oh, this was years ago. This isn't now. I'm professional now. I'm, I'm no. a businesswoman. We're, we're, we're business. We're clearly not. You know, I'm, just, I'm just a businesswoman. I'm way on business, doing important business stuff. <laughs> Darren, that's for you, Gaskill. Business. Business. You know what else right. pisses me off? Go on, then, that's what else pisses you off. That peephole in his door. When he hears his neighbours and he looks through people and she stares directly at him. Have you seen how big these peepholes are there to prevent, like, for you to spy out before you answer your door so that no one knows that you're there? But every motherfucking character who walks past his door sticks a finger up or stares directly at him through this tiny little peephole. Yeah. How? Unless it's France and it magnifies the other way. Like, maybe it's, like, what they do there. But like you know, you check if you have the person's in rather than the person who's in checking to see whether you can answer the door to you. I don't. I don't think the French have like superior peepholes or different peepholes to anybody else. Why they have different toilets? They have bidets. That's not a different toilet. That's just a bidet. Well, I mean, like, they have a bidet. Like they don't. You, they don't. They don't have to rough scrape the butt, do they? With toilet roll, they can just mm. rinse it lovingly with lovely warm Mate. soapy water. The UK has bidets. Bidets. The UK has bidets. two. Bidets. Anyway. <laughs> so during during this time in his dodgy, low-rent, shitty area in the centre of Paris, he we know from the various news reports that there is another meteor passing by. When they cut to the interview with the crowd outside the Eiffel Tower, I say outside the Eiffel Tower, just in front of the Eiffel Tower. Is this a close up, or is, have they actually just got people who are there just on the day who's turned up to the Eiffel Tower? If this, if this is a close set, and they have done it purely with actors, then it is an absolute stroke of genius, I think, to have somebody in the background pretend to be holding the Eiffel Tower. There's a gentleman in the background who's doing that with his hand like that as if he's holding it. I thought it was a green screen background just because I, 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 I'm not sure, but I, I, I've been to Paris on Fiesla. Um, <laughs> and it just didn't work. I just didn't recognise like that area, like for the positioning of the, of the Eiffel Tower to where we yeah. were. I could be wrong, one, but I thought it was like green screen. I mean... On. To be fair, if it is green screen, which it probably most likely is, because let's face it, I don't think with this kind of budget, you just rock up at the Eiffel Tower and get the film and just go, yeah, we're just going to close this area off. Yeah. In which case, the yeah. nuance is a touch of genius where they've actually got someone there just holding the Eiffel Tower or pretending to hold the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. The fact that I like as well is they go, right, there's this meteor. No one can agree how far away it is. I'm not sure that's an integral part of it, because we know that when it comes to measuring distance, science is always spectacularly fuzzy on the nature of distance. We need um, Keanu Reeves, not Keanu Reeves, Kiefer Sutherland's... Measuring device, Measuring yes. device, that's what we need. From Melancholia, yes. Yes, that's what we need. That. I don't know why, but all I'm thinking of is um, Steve Tyler standing... In, at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower, seeing you don't want to miss a thing, um, because he don't want to miss a thing. That's that's all that came into my head when you were trying to explain about how to measure a meteor. So weird. I mean, yeah, why, why wouldn't I? <laughs> the only thing that comes into your head. So Chris is wandering around his, his decidedly dicey neighbourhood. We get the first inkling that things are not all okay with the inhabitants of this particular place. We've got the weird paranoid dude in the little supermarket. The French, the guy in the shop. I've literally just put, oh my God, it's the French Barrington, as in Barrington de la Roche. Does anybody else not think that? It's got a very kind of distinctive kind of look in it. If you went and put him in an English haunting or winter skin, I'd go, yeah, you know, I can see that other guy playing those roles completely. I actually had him as French Frank Gallagher. Yes, that is a big... That is a good shout. From Shameless. Look up, look up Shameless, the Channel 4 show. Don't watch it because it's shit. It's but 
if you look him up, you'll recognise that Faye has got a good shout with uh, Frank Gallagher from that. So anyway, he's spouting off his conspiracy theories while we're while we're in there. We've also got the dude with the weird blistering growth kind yep. of thing that he's got going on on his face. And we've also got really, really friendly tequila lady who I've noted <laughs> down. She did an absolutely excellent job of making me want a shot of tequila. <laughs> All I was thinking afterwards, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I could do with some tequila. Definitely. Um, I thought she was quite... Um, at, at this point in the film, I actually went, do you know what? I think I might be quite into this. I think I'm feeling it. When you said this lady was making you want tequila, I literally just had a flashback to the train me and you took to Barcelona when you drank out of those prostitutes' flask. First of all, they weren't prostitutes, they were working ladies. Oh, sorry. The working ladies' flask. They had all of their teeth and <laughs> they didn't have all their teeth, I don't think. <laughs> anyway, Faye, enough about me and ladies of the night. Concentrate on the film. Don't want to. Anyway, I kind of like, so at this point, like I said, I, were, I, I, I was getting into this film because I kind of like how freaky everyone was being. Uh, you know, like, so there's that lady in the park who was shouting, come here, come here. And then she turns around to him and she's like, come here, in French, of course. I can't do it in French because I'm not French. Um, is, is this then when the porn kicks in? No, that um, comes... I, I left my door open so you'd come in. That do, that comes that comes afterwards. Essentially, Chris gets propositioned by Tequila Lady, not just for wanting tequila. She's she's offering more than that to him. He excuses himself and goes back to his apartment, where before I sorry, there's loads actually happens in this first opening section. Johnny or John with his huge huge sword. Oh, yeah. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, who who turns up, and you believe, because he turns up and saves him, and he's got this clearly kind of tough guy kind of persona going on, you assume that he'll be quite an active part of the rest of the film. But, as in most cases with this film, no, no, that's that's jettisoned fairly, fairly soon after. Yes, I think there's a uh, like a distinct lack of uh, real character focus or building in this film in general. So we just get like that brief introduction to John, who disappears for ages. The brief introduction to the robbers, who disappear for ages. It's just like they're just like teasing us with things that they think might be interesting. Or is maybe that the character development is absolute wank? Maybe could be. yeah, could be. Um, I think it's now as well where we realise that Chris is afraid of the dark. Well, I say afraid of the dark, yet he still manages to... I, I'm not buying it. It's inconsistent. His lighting is inconsistent. Yes. I, it's, like, very random as well, isn't it? Because he's like, sits in the dark most of the day with just his monitors on, but then he freaks out. One thing I did notice is that they had the, the Shaun of the Dead... Um, characters as toys in the background when he's put the UV light on. They also had a uh, Chucky doll, uh, Jason Voorhees and something else. So, yeah, a lot of pop culture in the background. So, yeah, so we covered John, his, his uh, turn up and Chris's Fear of the Dark. We meet, well, as I say, when we get back to the apartment, this is where we meet Claire, the artiste, we know she's an artist because one side of her shirt is covered in paint. She's also painting, which gives it away. Yeah, one side is completely white. It's like a before and after shot of Ariel or Daz. It's like, this is what you're dealing with. And this is what we have now. And Christy was it the same side that she paints with that was covered in paint? No, I don't think it were. Oh. Yeah, I'm just working out what she does with her dirty paintbrushes because <laughs> that would have been interesting for us to find that out, I think. <laughs> Other than whatever this scene is that happens. 
they're they're a friendly bunch the Parisians I've taken through all this because they spend a lot of time to go yeah just come in just come and have a have a drink or have whatever whatever just wandering through anyone's open door it's the fact that it escalates to shots so quickly it's literally just sat down and you're offering him three shots I wouldn't go in any stranger's house and take three shots I wouldn't let any stranger walk into my house and go drink <laughs> just like get the fuck out yeah. well I probably won't team for the police and run and hide but yeah it's it just doesn't make any sense like their relationship doesn't make any sense no it's again it's i'm not sure if it's just because of the brief run time for the film or whether this was it feels very much like a first draft that hasn't been fleshed out enough and they've they've either intended to go back and fix fix it this was meant just as a a demonstration and they're doing a version of it but now it's just happened to get picked up and released but as i say it seems like they to go off as they're not fully fleshed out because there's a lot of that character relations as you say in those introductions where either nothing happens or they get too friendly too quick and nothing feels natural or organic through it should just say at this point as well claire lets chris know of a party going on to celebrate this meteor going past. So he gets the invite there and he decides, despite his absolute fear of the dark and the fact that all this weird freaky shit is going on and has happened to him in the last couple of hours, he still decides to venture out. And as we were saying with half-baked relationships, this is where we meet man with telescope and kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is the point? Do, do you know? Do you know what the funniest thing about this scene is? The fact that he asks him to locate this comet, and you know he gets on and he does it or whatever. But then he's like, "Oh, where are you going?" He's like, "Oh, I'm going to so and so." Well, you should go. And there's like, "All right, he's trying. He's trying to leave. Let him leave." I like the fact that he's like, "You should be spending the evening having a nice meal or a drink with a boy, a girl, or a boy." It's like, look at us being inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> What? I love the fact that he's just like, look, mate, I fixed your telescope. I don't. This is not. Entire, we are now not best friends. It's now not entitled you to start giving me life coaching. Literally leaving his kid by the side of the fucking pavement as well to talk to this guy when his kid could be snatched up at any point. But no, it's important to tell him that he should be in and drinking. Yeah. So I say, Parisians, friendly bunch. You just wander down. Hey, I'll help you with your telescope. Hey, here's some important life lessons. <laughs> And I imagine that's what walking down the streets of Paris is like constantly. Go for a coffee, you can't get anything done. Well, me and friends for life. Friends for life. I will say, though, I do think, because obviously I, I said I were on board and then I really quickly started losing my being on board. But one thing that I did stay on board with was the soundtrack itself for the film. So, like, when he's walking through the streets, it's like this really cool, like, French, like, hip-hop song or something playing. And I'm like... I mean, I'm bopping along in my house thinking, yeah, man, this is, yeah, man, who says, yeah, man? Cultural <laughs> <laughs> appropriation of what? People uh, in 1994. <laughs> bopping along, uh, really loving the soundtrack. I'm like, well, at least there's something good still happening. Yeah, so this bopping soundtrack carries on all the way into the house party they arrive at. It's very kind of electro kind of techno kind of thing going on. It's very European. It does, because my, my notes do say the director thought he was making raw, he's made medium rare. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but yeah, so there's got that kind of, again, as you say, that kind of that kind of cool electro kind of beat going on with he arrives at the party, and no matter what party scene it is, as we always say, no one can dance or act like they're at a party. It's the worst thing to shoot. Everyone looks like they've been told to throw their hands in the air. Like they do care. And there's one shot as well where this they're focusing on apartment girl and guy having a conversation. And there's just one guy in the background in some jeans with his book just going from side to side like he's dancing. And all could focus on that book. Not in, not in, a, not in a sexual way. Just the fact that this arse wouldn't stop moving and it was in my eye line, so I couldn't concentrate on what they were saying. He was the star. 
<laughs> the party scene itself, like, again, I was so confused because it kept like zoning in on random people. And you were like, Is these, are these going to now be part of the story? And then they were gone. You never saw them again. I was like, what is going on with this? I think you do see them again later. You just don't recognise them, um, which right. I'll touch upon when we get to it. Yeah, so he arrives and finds Laura. Laura, Laura yeah. The, um, the girl who I think lies to him and tells him that Claire, the apartment girl, has already left with another man. But didn't she get yeah. taken away by a load of men to be sacrificed? Yeah, but that was after. That's after. He, oh. he, he arrives and she takes an interest in him. Oh my god, why and is this says, story taking forever? He says he's come looking, he says he's come looking for her. And as I say, he she tells him that she's already gone. So they end up in the bathroom together because he's needing space to get his head straight after he's been drugged. By the way, because obviously when you're hosting a party, you make sure you spike every drink for whoever comes in. Hosting 101. Yes. So he goes to the bathroom to, to try to get his head straight and she follows him in. And he awakes after passing out and vomiting all over himself. Ain't vomit on screen. I can deal with many things, but vomit is just, no. Is it because it looks like carrots? It's just... I don't know what it is about vomit. I just can't, I just can't stand it. Okay. I love a good vomit. Um, I think then what I, I, this film then it I was like, is this trying to like tell us there's something about Claire? Because then Claire just walks into the bathroom and she's like, "There you are," and you're like, "Oh, that's a bit bizarre." Like, is she an alien? Maybe. Well, this like, is what is I, I think they do all eventually turn into aliens, and I think one of them. I'm not entirely sure which, but I think one of the party goers turns up later as Titty Spider. Yes, but Claire's not an alien. Claire's still human, but it just felt so bizarre the way, like, he came to the party, she's not there, and then she just walks into the bathroom and she's like, there you are. I'm like, this just doesn't... Like you said earlier, nothing feels real or authentic at all. Everything just felt like stage, 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 stage. Um, which, again, started doing my head in a little bit. Um, also, can I just ask, how quickly did he get over his drink spiking? How quickly does he like get that? over being left in the dark? Very fucking quick. His fear of the dark is the most um, in... What's that word when something's... Inconsistent is the most inconsistent fear of the dark I have ever seen. Should we just get to the good scene and the party scene so we can move it along a bit? Yeah, when you, when you say everything feels fake and not real and completely inconsistent, it wouldn't happen. Are you telling me a giant tentacle wouldn't penetrate a woman? The last thing I expected to see was a tentacle penis, if I'm honest. Yes, I'm going to agree with you there. First of all, I was like, why is that woman just randomly going with, like, blister face, man? Like, why would you do that? Like... In, in general, he's like got pussy blisters on his face. What's she doing? Chlamydia, and man. then, and then I hated the way like the character was with the woman because you know I'm a massive feminist, fair. Uh, but the, it was I very <laughs> so that you know it was very like violent, wasn't it? Like the way he was treated, like the way he was pushing her on the bed, uh... and it kind of got me. He kept like going back in for it. I'm like, why would you let yourself be treated like that? I think that is just bedroom roughhousing, if I'm honest. That's um that's a little foreplay, dare I say. <laughs> yes, I'm going to uh, treat you like I'm going to rape you for foreplay. Sounds Look, I don't make the rules. Some people want to be treated like whores in the bedroom. It's just it's just a thing, okay? Horse. Like horses. <laughs> I'm not sure whether the victim of rapes a whore fair because that's basically what she was. I will say eventually she was, yes. But you could tell from her actions she was up for it. Oh, you're saying if that went to court. Her actions are even improved. She if, if she wasn't up for it, she wouldn't have kept going back for it. Do you agree? You said she was going back for it and you asked why. There's your answer. Yeah. 
Right. So then big tentacle penis comes along, which is fucking red and throbbing and veiny. And again, the it's last really thing I expected to see. Yeah, it kind of looked like a dog's lipstick to start yeah, with, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I would be like, oh, God, that is vile. And then the way it, like, shot straight through a body and out of her mouth, I was like, oh, yeah, these, this part's pretty good. One thing I did think, <laughs> like, well, we're so sick of tentacles. Like, we see tentacles a lot. I wish there was something a bit different, but, what, like, like, you know, maybe just a massive penis, but, like... How, how, how would you improve tentacles? Speech and bra. Tinsel. Um, yes, tinsel. I was, just waiting. tinsel. <laughs> I was just waiting for when he said oh, it went, went through and just out through her mouth. Be like, yeah, just a normal night. <laughs> wait, wait. Hey, 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 <laughs> well, I think it might have been for her because she was she was a bit of a spank, really, weren't she? <laughs> Hang on a so I, I get a not you hypocrites. Anyway, moving um, on, Faye. Yeah, there's weird the, as, as I say, the weird tentacle. The VFX work. Yeah, the tentacle shish kebab. The tentacle shish kebab. The VFX work. <laughs> impressive. Impressive, though. As I say, all the way through, the digital stuff they do looks... It does. Really great. It looks really good. Yeah, it's a shame story was shit because it looks really good on occasion. Except, except when we're looking at the Eiffel Tower from somebody's fucking window. I'm not, I'm not going to stand by and let you say the story was shit. Was. I'm going to say the story was undeveloped or underdeveloped. I think the story itself, if they'd have just worked a bit harder on it, I think it had some very good, interesting moments in it. If they'd have worked more on like that, that fear of the dark and made it more real, like more believable. Mm -hmm. And the whole kind of like invasion aspect was quite cool. The way that, apart from the beginning invasion, which still doesn't make sense to me. One family, one murder, why the fuck? Was it a test? Does it take 10 years to get to one from space? I don't know. Um, but I think it was quite, I think the story was on its way there. Like you said, Chris, it felt like almost like they did a proof of concept, but did like a full film proof of concept. Uh, and then just someone just went, eh, just do that, pick that up, it's fine. But I think the story was there. I'm really glad you didn't think it was shit, but I still did. I still thought it was shit. Sarah, let me just clarify. I'm definitely not saying it's good. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't think that the story, I think the story was just underdeveloped. I get that, but yeah. even under even underdeveloped, like you're saying, it, that's not what we're watching. A film would be a different film if it was shot differently no, but, or scripted differently you can, you can still pick out the things that are good about it it's like as i, I say know. you can you can pick out that if if they had enough runs of draft they had the basis of an idea that you can see what they were doing what they were doing with the actual story per se was absolutely fine and if with it, more money or more time it could have come out as a different version which was more enjoyable it's easy you can look at something and say, I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy watching that. I felt it was poor, but I can still see the promise in parts of it. So why can't I just look at it and say, even with that, I still wasn't on board you with can, it? You can do. We're just me and Mercer are just saying that there were parts of it where we could see there was things that you could take from it as positive. Again, that's that's good for you guys, not for me. Absolutely fine. Um jumping back into it though. Jesus, again, taking us off track, Faye. Honestly, we never get anything done. Um, it might have been me, actually. This time. It were you. But I had a valid point, unlike you. Uh. Um, so, but um, after Alien Dick, this is where Chris actually sees that it's aliens because he sees that guy get killed. And then we mm -hmm. start getting some, actually, we start getting some really cool visuals. Uh, from this point on, I think. So we get Laurie in the bathroom where her face just starts melting off. Um, the, th the, think... thing that, the thing that bugged me about that scene is it didn't look continuous and the fact that he didn't run when it first started happening, it just waited until the conclusion where she collapsed on the floor and then ran away. If I'm seeing someone's face melting, I'm fucking running at the second I see it. I'm not waiting around to see how it's going to pan out, but no, he stayed. To be fair, you did say it did look impressive, though. It did, it did look. 
I, you two are trying to get me on board with this film, right? Again, I said from the beginning that I thought the effects were good and it was the only reason it got any sort of mark out of me because they were good. It was just in the edit, it wasn't, it wasn't executed as well as it could have been. I get what you're saying there. It weren't like a continual shot of her face melting. It well, was not almost even like that. It, it, it was clear cuts back and forth. Yeah. And it was at a different yeah. stage every time. And I'm like, you could have yeah. done that so much better. That's what I'm saying. So it almost it almost felt a bit like a stop motion yeah. kind yeah. of version of the face. I thought it looked pretty cool. It what did. I did like, what I did enjoy, which I think almost marries to what you said was. Uh, yes, he don't run away straight away, but when he does run away, he just runs away. He leaves Claire, he leaves everyone else. He doesn't even try and tell anyone what's going on. He just goes, fuck this, I'm out of here, mm. and leaves. So at this point, we get Chris back to his apartment, isn't it? The next key seen here with the three guys who are trying to mug him earlier on. Mm. Yes. And he stands yeah. back from the door as well to let them break it down, rather than trying to barricade himself. Yeah, I'm not sure he can, again, I'm not sure he knows who they are when he's looking through the keyhole. Through his um, massive keyhole? His French keyhole? Well, they know who he is before they even get in. Because, like I said, they work, they work in reverse in France, obviously. Yeah. <sighs> I forgot what happens from here, to be quite honest with you. I've so totally lost where... interest by this point. Wow. Chris, uh, Chris, not you, Chris. Uh, we see we see a little bit of a camera um, clip of Chris hitting one of the guys or beating one of the guys up and then picking the camera up and smiling. So at this point, we're like, oh, right. Well, I'm like, is he an alien? Is he now possessed? Because he's also got this weird thing on his belly as well that we saw. Yeah, we see that before because he's got that weird kind of rash, kind of like yeah. the fa like face rash guy had, but more of it more spread over a larger kind of area, looking much ma mankier over it. Maybe he was infected as a child and it will wait to activate on the next comet. As good a reason, yeah, as, good a reason as any for it. Yeah, maybe. That that could be it. But yeah, we, we now we're like, is he an alien or is he not? And then John comes back finally. Yeah, so John comes back, takes Chris under his wing, takes him to his apartment, which for some reason is like so organized. Like, I don't know what this man is. Like, is he military? Is he a drug pusher? Is he a gangster? Is he a regular Joe? Like, what is it? But he knows how to sew up someone's face, which also looks quite good when he's sewing Chris's face up. Um, and then he's like, right, we're gonna we're we're gonna go. And what I like is he's like, when we get out there. We're just gonna kill anyone who's in front of us. Like we don't care whether they're infected or not. We're just because if I were to survive, so I don't care who's in my way, kill him. Are you on board? And he's like, yeah, yeah, all right. And then I also love the fact that he hands him, he tells him to pick up a weapon. He picks up the bat and he goes, no, 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 that's my my kid's bat. I don't want you to use that. So he picks up a gun and then he's like, do you know how to shoot a gun? And he's like, no. And he's like, put the gun down and pick something else up. Because normally in films they give him a gun and they just go. This person suddenly knows how to shoot a gun. So I thought it was quite cool that they, they kind of played on, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. If his son's baseball bat was so precious to him, why not hide it away? Don't just have it lying around. So we have the fight with Chris and John and the other guys outside as well, don't we, at this point? To be honest, I'm piecing together because at this, I'd also slightly lost interest and I was starting to doze off a little bit, bit at this point. I kept coming, kept coming back round, obviously, or else I'd be dead. But well, so, but I was kind of do I was kind of dozing in and out. So I, the next bit I remember is John and Chris fighting and John getting killed. Is that correct? Yeah, so that's running in running order, yes. Kind of, yeah. So they leave the building and then when they get outside, the thug who was um broke into Chris's and Chris attacked. He's on the streets and then him and John have a fight. And then it turns out the thug's actually an alien now. So like an alien hand shoots out and he he cuts or he does something to John. So John's then like, Chris, you go because I'm going to change into an alien and I'm going to stay here and take on all these alien beasts that are coming towards us right now. And you're like, all right, cool. 
And then Chris runs off with his bat and like has multiple fights with his bat. And now it's just feel like this is now a little bit repetitive. Like we've just gone fight sequence, fight sequence, fight sequence, like one after the other. And then there, this fight sequence, were like it was, it was interesting because like there's a there were about five, six aliens and one Chris who has now suddenly become a kin ninja with a bat, like two bats. Like he can move with them bats. I don't know where it came from, but he's like killing these fight sequences, like these things. And I'm like, this should be good. But I really don't care. Like, I'm really not bothered about what's happening right now. Nothing is interesting. Can I just interrupt this programming to um, to bring you a tweet we've had from Salty Popcorn on this, on this film? It seems we're not ruining anything for anyone, by the way. I'll just read it quickly. Um, he's put, it's far from the worst film you could pick from the selection, but it never fulfills the potential of the premise. Feels like part of part one to a story that was then never developed cannot recall if that was the case or not solid effects work though so that's pretty much all yeah bang on that's what we've said bang on we could have just read that tweet at the beginning and that's this entire show <laughs> yeah we could have and then we wouldn't still be 20 fucking minutes from end or wherever we're at because jesus can we end this we're almost done we're oh. almost uh first of all them fight scenes as well, CGI blood. Did anyone see CGI blood? I didn't because That's I would have picked up on that if I'd have seen it. Yeah, I started getting angry then. But again, I was just like, whatever. Um, I just didn't care. And then I think my favourite scene in the movie happens. After the fighting, Chris goes and sits down and he's sat on the wall. And then from the side of the wall, we see Spider-Woman. Spider-Titties. <laughs> Spider titties come strolling along and they're like seducing him like a black widow spider, I'm guessing. And he's like well into it. And like they've got these like spider legs all over him. And he's like, oh yeah. I'm like, you sick bastard. See, this this is one of the points where I woke up. <laughs> I always find she's the weirdest parts of films to, to wake up in. And Shows you, shows you how bizarre this film was and how odd it were. Not only that, but we earlier on in the evening, we'd been chatting about the greatly missed Euro trash. Oh, yeah. As you do, because mm, why, why would you not? And Lola Ferrari. Yeah. And as we were sitting there, they decided, <laughs> watching the film, they went, oh, yeah, Chris firing tits. And I assumed it was in the film. I was like, I missed that scene entirely. <laughs> Nobody in this film was crushed by their own tits, we should say. Nobody. But yeah, spider titty woman. I, it baffles me in any film you watch where, I mean, I, I guess it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to die, so why not have one last bang, as it were. But the fact that people manage to even get horny in situations like an apocalypse totally baffles me. Mm -hmm. Especially with a spider titty like woman. I mean, like, he must have realised that them limbs weren't arms or legs as they were, like, on it. If I can feel a spider on me that's the size of a fucking penny, I'm damn sure I'm going to feel one that's the size of a fucking house. Well, you probably know yeah. when, this, when the seventh limb touched you that something weren't quite right. <laughs> it's like, um, but also, but then when he, like, realises and he turns around and looks directly at her, and he pushes her away, and then she like comes forward to kiss him again. And there's like a moment where he's like, "Shall I do it?" No, no, no this is wrong. You're like, "What is wrong with you?" What about Claire? Oh, oh, by the way, he's suddenly now desperate to rescue. Like, why would she be alive? Like, why in his mind would she be alive? Oh my god, are we at the end yet? We're nearly there because then he gets, he leaves. He what does he do? Does he shoot her in head? Stab her in belly? What does he do to Spider Woman? Puts a glass on her. He gets a big can of rage. <laughs> but yeah, and then he gets back to the apartment, and uh, and again, this is quite cool. Like where we see like all the like dead bodies, and again, it's weird because some of these people have turned into aliens, like Spider Woman, but some of them have just died. It must be like however strong you are, I don't know. But like, I thought it was quite cool. Like where some of them had melded together with the flesh, and they were all melty and drippy. But yes, somehow Claire, Claire did survive. Out of everybody in the apartment, Claire 
his now true love who he met that day <laughs> survived. And he tries to help her. And she, for some reason as well, he's carrying this video camera around with him now. Um, the camera that he's being captured on attacking them people. He doesn't use it once, but he carries it around with him. And it's very important that he has it. Um, and then she, for, for some reason, sees the camera and goes, oh, I know, in the middle of this apocalypse, while I'm shitting myself and there's all these melting bodies around me, I'm going to have a look at what he's recorded. Because <laughs> I can't see it for myself. Why? Why would she do that? And she sees him kill them people, and then he comes back in and she just stabs him. No question. I mean, no reason why. She just, she didn't even say, like, oh, what happened? Because um, you see normal now, but yeah, I've just seen you kill these people for him to say, oh yeah, they were trying to rob me and kill me, like self-defense. She just stabs him and then immediately goes, what have I done? I'm so sorry. It, it did look a bit happy about the fact you were killing people, didn't it? Yeah, he's got that grin when he turns the yeah. camera in, so. This, I've only just, it's only just done, only just clocked the same grin that his dad gave him when his dad killed his mum. Ah. Yes, ah, yes, yes. Oh, this film is so much better than we thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, it didn't. <laughs> and is that it? Is that the end? No. Um, <gasps> then she tries to get him help and we're in the streets and they stumble across that little boy again that little boy's back whose dad's gone missing um look at the sky boy what were he called little boy he's probably walking around telling all aliens where to eat and where to drink yeah. whether it would be a boy a girl or <laughs> another alien one man trip advisor <laughs> it's going out dinner be a boy girl or man with giant tentacle cock <laughs> oh, I know where you'd like the spider titty bar just down the road. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's doing. He's like, just, oh, he's like the Silla Black of the apocalypse, um, hooking everybody up. But I mean, it's like Davina McCall, street date. That's Amen. my Davina McCall impression. I just love Amen. how you just confused Davina McCall with Silla Black. Like, there's any sort of comparison. <laughs> they both go, Arr! Shalom, Black, David McCall. That's what they do. That's how they talk on me. You sound like Pandu. But then, the, for some reason, this one random set of soldiers turn up and decide to help them, um, which is cool, like help them. It did feel very much like uh, Demons um, Part 2 on yeah. the back of the truck. I, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting like someone to burst out of his belly and then them throw him off and then him drive off. But that's not what happened. What did happen though was these bizarre subtitles where she goes, help him. And the soldier goes, do what you can to keep him alive. And Claire goes, are you kidding me? He needs to be saved. You mean you won't help us? What? Do what you can to keep him alive. Are you kidding me? He needs to be saved. You mean you won't help us? It's just said keep him alive no but he's asked her to do whatever she can to keep him alive and she's no, not qualified to do that no he's told the soldier to do what you can to keep him alive Look, you know what beggars shouldn't be choosers she did this to him she stabbed him That's so true. she should be taking responsibility anyway on this trip somehow chris turns into an alien and somehow manages to kill one of the soldiers in the back of the truck and get off the truck without a single person seeing, hearing, or realizing this has happened until they pull up and stop. How is that possible? I ain't got an answer for you. Mm -hmm. Also in this scene, which completely didn't make sense to me is, we've not mentioned it earlier, when the meteorite kind of hits, all the power in France goes out, right? So there's no lights. Yet for some reason, the entirety of the Paris background is illuminated with the Eiffel Tower lit up, all the buildings are lit up. Is there, is, is, is Wired Mouse is also still lit up? I did not notice that. I did. That's electricity. Yes. Are we done yet? Is it done? Um, very, very close. Oh. Do we not get the last scene where they got the gun pointed at him when he's against the wall? Yes. So they give Claire a gun and say, look after yourself. And, the, and then all these other aliens keep coming 
from nowhere and killing all these soldier guys. And then aliens on alien. Claire's sat on a wall with that little boy with the illuminated Paris behind her. And Chris walks up to her and puts out his hand. And she puts out her hand. And then it ends. And I'm Ugh. like, what well, has just happened? I think they're obviously passing the, I say obviously, it's obvious now, that they're probably passing on the alien to a younger generation to maybe wait for another comet to come. So that can then be activated. I think they're decimating the planet. I think she just, I think she probably gives up and goes, look, you know, can't fight this any longer. This is just, just get it over with rather than anything else. I think the war is lost here against the giant alien cocks. <laughs> and I kind of thought it was a bit like, you know, spring, where it were like, love conquers all. Yeah. Like a alien, I still love you after meeting you for one day. And having like a 20 minute conversation with you and giving you shots. Uh, that's what I thought it were. Anyway, I just, that's literally, I was just like, what the fuck is this ending? But fate, it's ended. Finally. Finally. And then there's an epilogue after the credits. Did you watch that, Faye? There ain't no. really, <laughs> there ain't really anything after the credits, but that would have been beautiful if we could have carried this story on. I went upstairs and I cried myself to sleep. I um, went to log it and realised that I own this film. So I cried myself to sleep. And then, you know, did myself away to some tentacle porn and spider titties. Because might as well get some out of this film. Betty cried. Mercy cried. And then Megan laughed. She's such a little trooper. <laughs> Anyway, well, that was certainly a film. It was a film that was made and was seen by people with eyes. And it's on Amazon Prime, so everyone get it checked out. I, d I don't want to waste any more time on this film. Shall we get some scoring? Yeah, we may as well get some scoring. As per our usual Spit Grades episodes, we've all scored this film. So, Mercer, would you like to tell us what grade this has actually got from ourselves. I would love to tell you what grade this has actually got from us. And um, I think they will be pleasantly surprised <laughs> to hear that this actually came in with a grade E. E? It's not E. It's not one of the worst films that we've had on the show. It's still not, it's no armed response. It's no armed response, I'll give it that, yeah. I mean, like like I said, I did, I did enjoy the effects of it. Just, it, for a film that was just over an hour long, felt about five. It did seem, the second half of it did seem to go on for a fair, fair while, considering it's run time. Yes. As I say, I was much like Mercy, where the first 20, 20 minutes or so, where it's got the weird kind of, creepy paranoia kind of odd characters where yeah i was on board with it at that point but once it starts going the tentacle killing alien splashy stuff it quick very quickly loses me how would you describe it in one word underbaked and that's not just because the bake-off final was on tonight so that's on my mind uh i'd say <laughs> That's my word. I, I would say, um, I can't say it in one word. I'm going to have well, to have two. All right. Not alien. There you go. Because it's not alien, is it? It's a film about shitty aliens. <laughs> she said shitty aliens then. Shitty aliens. Shitty aliens. There you go. Like aliens. That's the kind of really deep critique you come and join us for. If you enjoyed us go through that and want to check out the rest of Prime Scene Investigation, or indeed our regular I Spit on Your Grades episodes, you can find us on all good podcast providers, including Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and the like. And if you want to follow our social media, then you can find us at Spit Grades on both Instagram and Twitter. We're at I Spit on Your Grades on Facebook. And should you wish to email us or contact us via that medium, please get in touch at electricpossums at gmail.com. And if you are going to Soho Festival this weekend, if you did manage to get a ticket, then 
have a lot of fun. You can see Mercer and Faye, but sadly your weekend will be slightly less joyful by the fact that you won't get to see me there. We'll make up for it, don't worry. It'll be fine. And that means, it, that means there's only tourists to buy a drink for. So, <laughs> joking. Anywho, been a pleasure. As, as always. So would you like to say bye then, Faye? Bye-bye. Mercer, would you like to say bye? I would like to say goodbye. And I would like to say goodbye from myself and to say that as far as this film is concerned, this case is now closed.